Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. I'm so excited to bring today's guest onto the podcast, Olympic gold medalist Jordan Weber. Jordan's most notably known for winning gold in the 2012 Olympics in London for Team USA's women's gymnastics team. Since her time competing in the Olympics, Jordan graduated from UCLA, where she also worked as their gymnastics team's assistant coach, and she's now the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks women's team. In addition to coaching gymnastics, Jordan is also an advocate for victims of sexual abuse and uses her platform as an athlete and motivational speaker to speak out for safer sports and the protection of female athletes. Now, I myself am still in such awe of Jordan's 2012 Fierce Five USA team and the incredible work that continues today with gymnasts like Simone Biles as we prepare for another Olympics. But I'm also so moved by the unity and resilience I've seen with female gymnasts in the United States since the controversy surrounding USA Gymnastics in 2018. Jordan, like many other female gymnasts, came forward as a survivor of sexual abuse and like so many other young women, is using her platform to make a difference and spark change within the sport and within society, which I think we all can agree is such an inspiring thing to do. I'm really excited for you all to hear from Jordan and learn about her journey and accomplishments. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. All right, so today we are joined by Olympic gold medalist and the current head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks gymnastics team, Jordan Weber. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So for those who may not know of your accomplishments, you are, as I mentioned before, an Olympic gold medalist um, and a gymnast, having been a part of Team USA and the 2012 Summer Olympics in London. And you've competed beyond that as well and have since become a coach in the gymnastics community, an advocate for victims of sexual abuse. And overall, you really use your platform to inspire young athletes and young girls. Um, You have a lot on your plate. (laughs) I feel like you've accomplished so much at such a young age. Um, But I think to start, let's get into what drew you to the sport of gymnastics. How did you begin? What was your interest in it? Yeah. So I started gymnastics at four years old. (laughs) So um, it's really hard for me to remember way back then. But um, the whole reason I got into gymnastics in the first place was because um, when I was really little, I was sort of born. And like when I was two and three years old, I had these just natural muscles. Like I was just a muscular kid. Um, And my mom kind of saw my little biceps and quad muscles. And she's like, well, she already kind of looks like a gymnast. So let's put her in the sport, see how she likes it. And Um, when people say the rest is history, that really was the case for me. Um, I started at four, I competed in my first real gymnastics meet at seven. Um, and I was on the U S national team by 10. So I moved really quickly through all the levels and I was just obsessed with the sport. I loved it. I loved the challenge every single day, going in and learning new skills and getting stronger. And, um, I just thought it was really fun. I think that passion and love for the sport is, is what has carried me so far and um, is the reason I'm still in the sport today as a coach. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I actually myself started off in gymnastics, <laughs> but had a very early growth spurt. I'm very tall. <laughs> it did not, <laughs> did not work out in terms of body type. 
But yeah, I mean, you definitely for so many years put in so much training. Um, what's it like to really devote yourself to the gym, to the coaches, your training in general? It's intense. I mean, to get to the, the elite level of any sport, um, you have to make so many sacrifices and dedicate pretty much your whole life to the sport. And, and that was the case for me um, at a very, very young age. By the time I was in fifth grade, I was already missing half of the day of school to do two-a-day practices. Um, and when I got into high school, I started doing online school online school and real school to, to manage missing, um, so much stuff for training and really everything you do kind of centers around gymnastics. Um, and for me, you know, a lot of people would, would not like that, but for me, I, I, I was okay with it because I had this dream, this goal of making the Olympic team. And I, I'm such a goal oriented person in general, but when I have my mind set on something, there's really nothing that can stop me and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. Um, so that's kind of the mindset that I had at that young of an age. Um, I just worked as hard as I possibly could every single day. Um, kind of went through a lot of ups and downs with injuries and, and such, but, um, you know, just really excited that I finally was able to, to reach that goal and that dream. Right. And I mean, it did happen. <laughs> you, you were able to go to the Olympics and what was it like? I mean, like you said, working so diligently, so hard at trying to achieve one thing and then it really happening. Yeah, it was a crazy feeling. I mean, I remember watching my first Olympics on TV at nine and I watched the 2004 Olympics. Um, and I remember so vividly where I was looking at Carly Patterson and saying, I want to be just like her. I want to be just like those Olympians. Um, and then later on going to, um, national team camps and seeing other Olympians like Nastia Liukin and Sean Johnson and, and being able to train alongside them and, and literally say, okay, that's what it takes. I'm going to do the same thing. Um, and then when you finally reach it, it's like, wow, okay, I did it. <laughs> and it was just this really overwhelming feeling, lots of tears and, um, just, just really an honor to go and represent, um, our country and be able to live out that Olympic dream that I had. Um, it's definitely a lot of pressure. Uh, there's, there's a huge weight of, um, you know, carrying the team and, um, and, you know, competing for your whole country. That, that's a pretty heavy weight to carry. Um, so it's definitely a lot of pressure, but, um, I think all those years of training and competition leading up really prepared me to be able to handle that pressure. Definitely. I mean, it's, <laughs> it must be so surreal to really work so hard, spend so, so long, really trying to accomplish something and then it happening. Um, and then you're working alongside, like you said, athletes that you really looked up to and admired for so long. I'm, I'm sure it's just an unbelievable experience. Then, yeah. So you did transition from athlete to coach, which I find really remarkable. Um, was coaching originally a part of your plan? Yeah, absolutely not. I actually specifically said uh, when I retired from gymnastics, I do not want to be a coach. Um, and my my reasoning at the time was, okay, I've been in the gym my whole life for seven hours a day, every day. I don't want to spend the rest of my life in the gym. Uh, so that's kind of what I thought when I, when I started out. Um, I went to school at UCLA. Um, and when I was at UCLA, I was actually a team manager because um, I went professional in the sport, so I couldn't compete in college, but I still wanted to be involved with a college team. So I went and I was a team manager and I started just kind of learning, um, about the sport from a different perspective. So not as a competitor, as an athlete, but more as a person who, um, is helping the team from the outside looking in, um, and really observing the coaching staff there that, uh, UCLA was a national championship winning program, um, learned a lot from those coaches. And then uh, during my senior year the head coach asked me if I wanted to start coaching. 
And at that time I said, you know what, I'll try it out. I'll see how I like it. And I, I kid you not, maybe within the first month or two, I was like, okay, you know what, this is what I want to do. I feel, I find so much um, purpose in this and I feel like I can really help a lot of people. And really that's my goal. And, and whatever career I'm going to do, I want to make sure I'm helping people. And I've realized that gymnastics is my tool to be able to do that because of my experience and my knowledge about the sport. So um, it was around that time. I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to work. I'm going to try to become a head coach someday. Um, and then I guess here I am now <laughs> actually doing it. <laughs> well, I think that's such a great mindset to have is really helping and wanting to instill that in youth. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, you've publicly spoken out about sexual abuse in the sport and you testified at Larry Nasser's trial. So you have seen in some ways a darker side of gymnastics. Uh, how has that whole experience shaped you as a coach and what you really want to, you know, teach and how you really want to be there for your athletes? Yeah. Um, it's taught me so many things. I think the main things, um, were that it taught me how to, how to use my voice. Um, you know, I quickly realized, you know, when I, I didn't really know what I was going through at the time I was going through it in gymnastics because I was so young. It, it was so normalized. Abuse is, is sadly, um, sometimes normalized in the sport of gymnastics and in many other sports. Um, so I didn't really know what was going on at the time. Um, and then as I started getting into my adult years, um, I, I sort of realized, and just felt this responsibility um, to speak out um, against it because I did not want to, I didn't want any other gymnast to have to go through what we as Olympians and, and gymnasts went through. Um, so I felt this obligation. And then once I started using my voice and really speaking out, um, both at, you know, Larry Nassar's sentencing and then, um, you know, going to DC multiple times and talking to senators, trying to get laws changed to try to really protect kids from this happening, protect um, you know, institutions from being able to protect abusers. Mm -hmm. um, I really learned how to use my voice. I think that's the first and foremost thing. And I think the other huge thing it, um, it's taught me is um, resiliency, how to go through stuff in life and figure out how to move forward from there. It's, you know, it's pretty um, well known that like we all go through stuff in life, you know, whether it's this big or this big or something huge something really traumatic um, or horrible. And um, the important part is how we move forward past that and what we do about it, what we do with it. Um, so that's really allowed me to, to uh, assign meaning to what's happened to me. You know, I can take this experience that maybe wasn't so great and, um, and, and do something good out of it. And mm -hmm. not only um, help other athletes, but really um, advocate for the safety of, of all the kids who are in gymnastics or in any other sport. So um, it's allowed me to, to, to be resilient, to move forward and, and be, be stronger because of it. Definitely. And I love that you used the word obligation before uh, because, you know, like you said, you don't have to speak out about this matter. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that you want to do. And the fact that you and so many athletes like yourself have devoted their using their platforms to, you know, hopefully spark change in the sport in society is super, super important. So yeah. thank you for doing that. Um, and then as we mentioned earlier, you were part of the 2012 USA gymnastics team. I'm really excited to talk about that. And in terms of the atmosphere, what it was like in general, um, I remember watching, uh, they called you the fierce five, <laughs> you, your teammates, Gabby Douglas, Michaela Maroney, Ali Raisman and Kyla Ross. Um, yeah, the media and much of, you know, the United States, you were known as the Fierce Five. And what was the energy like for you during that time? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, we totally embrace that name. We, the five of us combined were, were so fierce and um, we, we knew that we had what it took to go out there and, and win gold for our team. Uh, it was just a matter of putting it all together at the very moment that it counts the most. Um, and I think the most important part is that we really, we really were a team. Um, I think it's hard sometimes in gymnastics because it is such an individual sport. You know, you're the only one up there on the beam performing your routine and the weight is on you. Um, it's not like soccer or football where it's like you can pass the ball, you can rely on your teammates and there's no defense, there's no offense, things like that. It's just you and mm -hmm. your team. Um, but when we got to the Olympics, it really felt like we were a true team. Um, and on the sidelines, we were screaming for each other and really just hoping for the best for each other. Um, I think that's ultimately what helped us win that gold medal. Um, and be because we were so connected as a team and right. just wanted the best for each other. Uh, so that was a pretty amazing experience. I'll never forget what that felt like to win gold as a team. I think to me that will mean more than any other individual award I ever won. Um, because, you know, I, I think it just means more when you do it alongside other people and, and your teammates. So um, that's a huge reason why now I'm in college gymnastics because it is very team oriented. And I love that. I think you, you can accomplish so much more with other people and with a team than you can on your own. Um, and that's a powerful lesson to learn. Um, mm -hmm. So it was, it was an incredible experience for sure. Yeah, I think sometimes, like you said, the victories do feel a little bit sweeter when as a whole team, as a group, you're able to pull off a win. And yeah, I completely agree. Well, and I'm sure with that and so much media buzz, you did deal with maybe some pressure from all of it and just pressure in the sport in general and being shown publicly mm. to the world and you know, how you, you did in routines. Um, would you mind discussing how you managed to deal with criticism and maybe your own internal pressure during that whole summer? Yeah, it, it's hard. I, I went through um, kind of a, a tough experience at the Olympics. In fact, I actually had a stress fracture in my, in my right leg the whole time I was um, in London and training and competing. Um, so not a lot of people knew that. Um, and I was still training. I was still like, you know what? This is the Olympics. I'm going to keep going um, because it's, it's the Olympics and I, this is my one shot. Um, but that made it really, really hard for me to train as much as I needed to and prepare as much as I needed to. Um, so I didn't really feel at my best physically, which then affected um, my mental game a little bit. Um, and, you know, going into the Olympics, I was the reigning world all-around champion. I had this goal of, you know, vying for that Olympic all-around medal. And after prelims day one, didn't qualify because of some of the super country rules and, and things like that, um, which was hard because I think not only did I expect it of myself, but the entire world expected it of me. The media um, expected it, all the fans expected it. So not only was I dealing with my own personal pressure, but just the, the pressure of, of all of those other people. Um, so it was, it was pretty disappointing, pretty devastating. But um, again, I talked about res resiliency. Um, this was the moment that really taught me how to be resilient more than any other in my, in my career, because two days after that disappointment, I had to be ready to compete in the team competition. Um, so I had to pull myself together and, and continue moving forward. And, um, you know, how I did that was I really just put all my focus on, on the team. And sometimes mm -hmm. when you get out of yourself and you put your focus on other people and helping others, then, um, it can really help you, help you move forward past hard stuff in life. Um, so, you know, 
I would say that was probably one of the bigger moments I had to deal with intense pressure and, um, you know, when things didn't necessarily go my way, but I tried to make the best out of it. And then coming out with the gold medal two days later, um, was kind of like redemption and, Mm -hmm. um, just really, um, the best outcome I could have asked for. Right. I bet. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I think it's those moments where we do stumble, we do fall that I think are the moments that really teach us the most about ourselves. Um, it helps us hone in on what's important. Uh, so yeah, I completely agree there. Um, and now I wanted to bring up really exciting, um, news that hit this past month. Simone Biles recently graced the cover of Vogue for their August issue. And, you know, I think what was really great about her interview is that she discusses a number of matters. Um, She discusses criticism she and gymnasts faced regarding their appearances. Um, She brought up representation in gymnastics, and she even mentions how she was able to use her platform, as we spoke of before, during the Larry Nassar trial. And what I loved so much, I think, about her interview and from what I continue to see with gymnasts like yourself Um, is that there's more of a dialogue about these issues within the sport, within society. Uh, I think you partake in advocacy work yourself and, uh, you know, you public speak and use your platform to voice your opinions. Do you feel that within the sport there's been a change in gymnastics? Um, There's more of a space for this sort of dialogue, these conversations to happen? I I really do. I think there is a space. I think it kind of um, sparked with the Larry Nassar um, trials and um, really kind of learning as Olympians that we do have a strong voice and um, in learning how to use our voices, I think was really, really, um, really important for us because as gymnasts, um, we tended to be silenced and just told, you know, you, you're obedient, you do what you're told, you put your head down, you work, work, work. um, And you don't, you don't really, say much in return so that's what we knew our entire elite careers as athletes and now as adults I think you know I'm so proud of um Simone and and Allie and all these other teammates that I've had that are that are really using their voices and to make to make a, a positive change and to impact the future um it's pretty amazing I think as athletes we're kind of learning like okay as Olympians we have some of the power here and we can do something really, really good for the future. Um, and for those young athletes, I think we, we look at young gymnasts and we see ourselves in them because we were those young girls at one point, just, you know, loved the sport, wanted to be in the gym all the time. And it, it quickly got very serious for us. It quickly got intense. Training was hard. We were going to the ranch every month. And, um, I think we, we want those young girls to have a really good experience in the sport. We want them to reach their goals, but in a really healthy and safe and a positive way. Um, and now that I'm a coach, I realize it is possible to coach athletes and, and, and not, uh, abuse them verbally, emotionally, physically, in order to get them to to reach their potential. There is a good, encouraging, motivating, positive way to do that and create champions. Um, so that's what I'm passionate about. And I'm so proud of Simone. I think, oh my gosh, amazing. She's on the cover of Vogue. How cool is that? Um, you know, if you asked me probably like five to 10 years ago, I would said, I would have probably looked at you like you're crazy if I thought a gymnast would be on the cover of Vogue, but how amazing mm-hmm. for her. I'm so proud of her. And um, I think she's doing a lot of of really good things using her voice. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, so many of you, you yourself have become such role models for young girls. Um, Because I think as as women, and especially as young women, it's very intimidating to use your voice. 
use your platform, speak out about certain issues, how you're feeling even, you know, (laughs) we never really allow ourselves to even express our feelings and emotions at times. Um, But, you know, like we commented on before, I think too, the group support and having, you know, support of multiple, like a whole group of athletes, um, especially during that trial and just having sort of the momentum there is also really, really important. Yeah, I agree. And it gets hard sometimes, especially with social media. Mm-hmm. You know, you start using your voice, you start speaking out about things you're passionate about, and there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be people who comment back or tweet you and say really, really awful, hurtful things. And it even happened during, um, you know, the, the thick of the Larry Nassar trial, people would um, message us saying, you know, how did you not know what he was doing? And, and just really um, victim blaming type statements. And it's really hard for us to hear that kind of stuff. And even now, um, anything that I post or we really feel the pressure of, you know, making sure we don't offend anybody. And and we just want to do good with our social media platforms. I was actually just on the phone with Ali yesterday and talking about how it's hard to manage social media these days, but we want to use our platforms. We want to speak out. We want to do something good with it because we have the followers. Uh, but I won't lie. There is that pressure there to, to say the right things all the time. And, um, but I think, you know, in the long run, um, if, if you believe what you're saying and you feel passionate about it, then the haters will hate and you just <laughs> got to be willing to, to swallow it. If, if you believe in what you're saying that much. Right. Yeah. And you know, I say that a lot. Um, social media, it brings a lot of blessings. It brings a lot of negativity and (laughs) it can be a dark place at times. But I think like you said, as long as you are passionate about what you believe and especially with you, when you have support of other people, it like let the haters hate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, this was so great. Thank you so much for coming on. But before you go, um, since this is handling it and it's all about how we're all just sort of handling life in our own ways. Has there been a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned throughout your journey as an athlete, as a coach that's helped you handle your life? Hmm. I don't know. I think so. One of my mentors is, was the head coach at UCLA, Miss um, Val. And she's really what, who inspired me to become a head coach. And she kind of has this, um, this quote that she always says, and it's stuck in my brain because she has told me probably 40 different times um and she says that life is is about a series of choices and the choices that you make will dictate the life that you lead and it's so simple mm-hmm. but it really um it help, it kind of breaks it down and you start thinking okay you know everything that goes on in my life a lot of times I can choose I can choose what I'm thinking I can choose how I act I can choose my words um and everything that you say can you either point you in a positive direction or a negative one and I think that's so powerful because um a lot of what goes on is, is really just you know us making choices of what what we're thinking what we're saying what we're what we're believing so um that's been really powerful for me throughout throughout the years and and it's kind of stuck in my brain because she told me so many times life is a choice and the choices mm-hmm. you make will dictate the life that you lead um yeah. so that's kind of that's one of the bigger pieces of advice I've, I've ever gotten yeah that's great I mean I think at times, sure, there's external factors at play, but for the most part, I, I say that a lot to people. If you really believe in what you're doing and the choices you're making, like you can really, like you said, control the fate of your life. Um, keep pushing yourself, working hard. Yeah. Well, Jordan, thank you so much uh, for coming on. And where can people find you and keep up with your journey? 
Um, I mean, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, my handle is Jordan underscore Weber and Jordan with a Y and Weber W-I-E because some people mix it up. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I'm always posting. I'm always, uh, you know, showcasing our team at Arkansas and, and just putting good stuff out there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, I hope you all enjoyed hearing from Jordan. Not only has she accomplished so much at such a young age, but she continues to use her platform to promote change within sports and motivate others to achieve their goals. And speaking of motivation, I've listed a link to Jordan's TED Talk in the episode description for you to check out, and hopefully it will resonate well with you. And I've also included her social media handles below so you can follow along her journey as a coach for the Razorbacks. So thank you, Jordan, so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.